Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. I'm going to read from Luke 24, verses 45 through 49. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Thank you, and thanks be to God. Um, this is the word of the Lord, and we are so thankful for it. Amen. Um, so I want to take a quick moment and just introduce myself. My name is Emily. Um, my husband is Isaac, who's leading worship earlier. Um, and we have the honor of being on the pastoral team here at Light Church downtown. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to like share a few things about myself, if that's okay, before we dive into this scripture. So a couple things about me. Obviously, I'm married. I have three little boys at home. Um, we have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. Um, I We love them dearly. Um, I really enjoy bubble tea. It's kind of like my thing. I could care less for coffee or wine, but give me a bubble tea, and I'm, like, so happy. Um, I really love being outside. I'm, like, maybe have a little Francis of Assisi in me. I could, like, cry over a flower. That's just, like, how I am. Um, and, you know, we recently just moved here from Manhattan about two months ago to um, help be a part of this community. Um, we just really believe God is at work here in San Diego. So we're excited about that. Um, and so, anyways, one of the questions that I get a lot um, just being here for a few months is like, oh, wow, like Manhattan, that just feels like it was probably so different than San Diego. Like, what are the differences you see? Um, and so I'll just, like, share one. Um, so being on the East Coast, we um, also have hummingbirds. But I have noticed here in San Diego there is, like, so many hummingbirds. Like, I see them all the time. They're amazing. Um, and growing up, we had, like, a little hummingbird feeder. And so I, I'm used to seeing them around my house. Um, but <laughs> what I say is, you know, the hummingbirds on the East Coast – they just fly and eat like they are frantic. They do not stop. They, like, super quick, like, go get a drink, and then they'll, like, go back to a tree, and then go to a flower. And I've never seen them land. Um, and the, the hummingbirds here in San Diego, they're blowing my mind because I'm, like, they're sitting on the bush. How, why, like, um, and so I'm like, wow, I think like even in creation, <laughs> there's like this evidence of kind of just like a little bit more of a slower pace here. Um, and that's okay. I'm like really loving it. So thank you so much for, you know, just being my kind of people. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to pray real quick before we dive in. So Lord, thank you for your word and its implications to us today. Um, and just like 
Bobby spoke from verse 45, it says, then he, meaning um, Jesus, opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Um, And so, God, I just invite you again today, anew and afresh, to open our minds to understand. Amen. (sighs) Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't quite appreciate? Maybe it was like socks as a child or a quirky trinket (laughs) as a young adult from like your great aunt Susie. Um, Or maybe um, as a mature adult, you were given one of those like Google whatchamacallits. You know, it's a gift that you didn't quite appreciate. Well, when I was in 10th grade, there was a hairstyle that was very popular at school and it was actually more than popular, it was necessary to have this hairstyle in order to like be cool. Um, And so what that was is essentially just thin, straight hair. Like, if you had straight hair, it was not straight enough. Okay, and so all the girls, thank you, all the girls um, would invest in getting hair straighteners. Okay, it's basically these two, like, little iron things, and you run your hair through it, and it makes your hair extremely straight. And so we would spend hours in the bathroom before school getting ready um, by straightening our hair because we were making sure it would fall just right and there could be no waves and there could be no bumps in the back and god forbid any frizz dear jesus no frizz right like this was this was the thing we had to do well so for christmas um this year in 10th grade i had asked for a hair straightener and i had done my hair a bunch of times with my best friend and so i asked for the one that she had which doesn't really matter, but the brand was Conair, and it was pink, and so that's the one that I wanted. So I asked for that, and of course, on Christmas morning, I open it up, and um, it's not the one I asked for. Um, And so what proceeded to happen, I'm actually, like, not really proud of, but my reaction was one of annoyance and disappointment, and I didn't really hide my reaction to my parents. In fact, I said, this is not what I asked for. Um, and my, my sweet mom is just like, well, oh, you know, um, well, we can return it. Like, we can exchange it. I'm, I, I'm so sorry. Like, the woman helping me said that this was, like, really good. Do you, do you want to just try it? And so I, like, you know kind of make my way to that, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, not even going to work well, you know, so I plug it in, and I already have decided, like, this is not worth it, um, so I plug it in, and I'm waiting for it to, like, warm up, which usually I'm waiting, like, you know, five minutes, well, of course, within seconds, the, like, little red light is blinking, and I'm like, it's, it's already hot, what, <laughs> and then I run my hair <laughs> through the straightener, and steam, comes out of my hair. Like, all the moisture is gone, and my hair is laying perfectly flat. So, of course, I quickly repented (laughs) to my mother for my terrible attitude, and as it turns out, this brand, Chi, was, like, the best product on the market at the time, Um, much better than what I had asked for. As a quick reference, (laughs) this is, to this day, you know, what you would purchase at Target. Um... I didn't appreciate it. Have you ever been given a gift that you didn't appreciate? Or maybe you didn't um, even open it. Or maybe you opened it and like liked it, but then maybe forgot about it. 
Um, and then, you know, later on, you're like, oh, yeah, like I have that. I think this is sometimes how we treat the Holy Spirit. Unappreciated, underrealized, unacknowledged, and maybe we're just not even willing to give him a chance because we think something else is more effective or our way is better. See, the Holy Spirit is a good gift from our good Father. In Acts chapter 1, um, verses 4, it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. And then continuing on in verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Again, in Acts chapter 2, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, um, because the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the Gentiles also. <coughs> Receiving my fancy hair straightener, it was great, but until I could understand and like learn the power and effectiveness that it had, I couldn't really appreciate it. So the Holy Spirit is a good gift from our good Father. And like any gift, it's our choice to open it up. It's our choice to engage with it. And God gives gifts freely, right? Like he's not controlling. He's not like a manager in that way. So we can choose to actually live our Christian life without ever allowing ourselves to interact with the Spirit or walk with the Spirit or even be empowered by the Spirit, which is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about, or really ask this question, are we allowing ourselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? So I want to just share the definition of what it means to be empowered. And this is just like from Webster's Dictionary. It says, to be empowered means to give someone the authority or power to do something, right? So this might just look like us saying, Holy Spirit, I believe you're in me. And I give you authority to move in my life and in the world around me. And in turn, the Spirit gives us the power to do his work. What I love about this passage where Jesus talks about being clothed with power is that he does give them this, like, commission to share the gospel. But he has no expectation that they would do it on their own. And so he's like, hey, wait. Just like, wait a second, because I don't want you to do my work without me giving you all of the power to do it. Another definition says to make someone stronger and more confident, especially in controlling their life and claiming their rights. I believe that when the Holy Spirit empowers us, we are able to claim our rights as citizens of God's kingdom. A few synonyms that I think are like helpful in coloring this word empower um, are unyoke, emancipate, unfetter, unshackle, and set free. And this is why we can say the old man is gone, right? I've been, I've been emancipated. I've been set free, and the new has come. My old way of doing things is gone. My operating system is gone, and there's a new way of life, and this is life with the Spirit. So why do I believe that this is a promise that the Holy Spirit empowers us? Well, like I said, I think because when Jesus says in Luke 24 um, that we are going to 
be clothed with power from on high, I think he really meant it. Other translations will say, um, when Jesus like refers to this, he says, wait in the city until you have been empowered from on high. But I like the NIV translation of being clothed with power because I think it is the most helpful in having us understand our partnership with the Holy Spirit and maybe even like our role when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a look at that. So what does it mean to be clothed in power? Well, the Greek word trans- translated here for clothed is in duo. And it means to sink into clothing, to put on, to clothe oneself. Um, And I believe that Jesus used this as an intentional word. It was a choice word. Because how often do we wear clothes? Every day. We wear clothes every day. We wear them all the time. And when do we get dressed? The morning. (laughs) Right? Um, But... It's an active choice to put on clothes. It doesn't just happen, like, on on their own. Um, It's our choice to put on our clothes. When we get ready in the morning, that's what we say. We're like, oh, I'm getting ready for the day, right? Like, I'm getting ready for the morning. So I believe that when Jesus uses this word, he's actually trying to train us how to think about our relationship with the Spirit. Are we getting ready for our day each and every morning? Like, are we opening the gift? Are we taking it out? Are we putting our clothes of power on? Because we need to do that. Beloved, we need to get dressed. So the gift has been given to us, but it's our choice to invest in these clothes. Another aspect to this, like, imagery of clothing when it comes to the spirit is that um, in life, we wear clothes according to what our day or maybe our work will entail, right? So... Um, I have some kind of goofy pictures, if we can get those, of some outfits. Um, Just for examples, (laughs) you know, this doesn't take an explanation from me uh, for you to know what each of these people are going to do in their day, right? So men who do construction, they wear hard hats because they know that the work that they have for that day is going to require that of them. If someone is an athlete, they wear sports attire. If you're going to go surfing, you might wear a wetsuit. You know, I could go on. But, of course, this idea of, oh, yeah, like we wear specific clothes for what, however we need to be prepared for the work that we're going to do in a day. So if the Father has clothed us with power, if we're dressed with power, then we need to not only be open but ready and expectant to do powerful things. Amen? So we're clothed with power. And now I just, I want to kind of unpack what kind of power this is. Because that's a pretty loaded word. Power is a loaded word. It's also a little bit (laughs) of like a scary word right now because um, we have seen lots of corruption of power. Um, so that concept of having power or being powerful, you know, we can understand and acknowledge in our world, right? And sometimes we might even say, like, oh, yeah, they're a really powerful person. And like I said, we can um, – we use this term in a variety of ways, political, social, even, like, emotional sometimes. But across the board, I think what we're trying to get at is that 
a powerful person usually has an unusual influence on or over people. Well, the power that God gives us is not one of control, and it's not one of force, but rather of humility in the sense that it's not our own. And we don't acquire it of our own doing. In fact, Scripture tells us that we can do nothing apart from God. John 15 verse 4 says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus knew the disciples, along with us, couldn't do his work without Um, unless we were endued with power from on high. And so, like, if we focus on that, that phrase, on high, right, that helps us to understand the kind of power that this is, right? It's, it's from God. It's, from it's it's from above right it's from on high it's a holy power it's pure power there's no corruption in this power it is literally otherworldly it is from the kingdom of heaven and because we know it's from on high <laughs> this is great because it also means we can't take credit for it it's from on high so what does this look like in the life of a believer like at a practical level, for someone to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, although there's like many expressions and components to what that can look like, and of course, namely, um, I would say effectiveness in preaching the gospel, right? In the book of Acts, we see after the Holy Spirit has been poured out that when the disciples went out and preached the gospel, it says thousands were added to their number. Um, And that is really special and is actually probably going to be addressed more in next week's sermon. So I'm going to focus on five areas today that I see in scripture that we can say, these are my rights as a citizen of the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. So I'll list the five here and then we'll kind of unpack these. So uh, prayer with authority, perceiving with clarity, peace beyond reasonability, Purity amidst depravity and producing love supernaturally. So, praying with authority. I am specifically referring to areas of healing and deliverance. Um, And I'll kind of share why. (laughs) So, the Greek word Jesus uses for power, right? So, we've kind of like dissected a little bit what it means that we have clothes on. So, the, the word that he uses for power here, to be clothed with power... Um, is the Greek word dunamis, which is where we derive our English word dynamite. So if you are like trying to build a tunnel through a mountain and you're going to just do it in your own strength, one, it's going to take a lot of time. (laughs) It's probably going to take a lot of planning, a lot of super heavy machinery. Um, But like you could do it. It can get done, right? But if you have dynamite it is going to expedite the process in an extreme way. So I love that kind of imagery that Jesus is like wanting us to believe and see when he's referring to this kind of holy power. Um, It means to have strength, to have specifically power for performing miracles. Um, Like the people in his day, when they heard this word, they associated it with miracles. In fact, 
this is the same word that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 8. When the woman with the issue of blood touches his robe, Jesus says, someone has touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. This is the power that we're clothed in. So from this context, we can be confident that when we pray for healing, we actually have the power of God inside of us to release and see healing come to pass as well. In Luke chapter 4, um, verse, starting at verse 33, it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. This is the same word that he says to us. We've been clothed with power. It's that same power that Jesus had to drive out this impure spirit. That's why I believe we can have authority in prayer for healing and specifically deliverance. I do want to just pause on that point, though, for a minute and just acknowledge that that can actually kind of be a hard topic for some of us. Um, And, like, not even talking about, like, maybe your theological stance on it. I just mean I think we've probably all had moments in our life where we're like, yeah, but, like, I really prayed for that thing. I really contended for that, and I didn't see it happen. Um, And I just want to, like, acknowledge that that's, like, a tender spot. And I've struggled through those moments, too. And if that's you today, I want you to know that I'm really glad that you're here and you're leaning in. Um, Again, I think unanswered prayer probably deserves a whole sermon in and of itself. So we're not going to, like, go deep into that right now. But I just wanted to, like, acknowledge you in the room. So when we're clothed with power, we can pray with authority. We can perceive with clarity. And when I say this phrase, I'm specifically talking about in areas of discernment and prophecy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. I'm going to read um, from scripture about this idea. It says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for their, uh, their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, uh, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When we're clothed with power, we can see what the Holy Spirit sees. And it allows us to see things differently. It allows us to see into spiritual realities that others can't. We are given an eternal lens instead of a temporal one. 
we are given a redemptive lens rather than a circumstantial one. We're given a generous lens and not a transactional one. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus, um, you know, I can just like imagine this scene where the people in the town, he's a tax collector and he's cheated people out of their money. And I imagine when Jesus comes to town, maybe people are even like, oh, you know, hopefully Jesus is going to do something about that. <laughs> but Jesus sees him and invites him into relationship. And of course, salvation comes to Zacchaeus. Jesus had eyes to see him. He, he was looking through a lens of redemption. Paul was not just a persecutor of believers to God. He saw him through a redemptive lens. And of course, he became one of the greatest apostles to our day. We also are given a redemptive lens if we ask to be clothed in power and to see it. There was a season of my life um, when I, uh, I took a theater contract in Florida. And um, it it started out very lonely for, for many reasons that I won't go into, um, but it was really hard until the Lord gave me a prophetic lens to see what he was doing in my life. The truth is that I had some idols in my life, just me idols meaning something that I was giving my time, my energy, my resources to that like wasn't God, like more than him. And... Um, and he, he wanted to remove those from my life. And so one day I was reading from Hosea 2, which says, this, there's no slide for this, sorry. It says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, God, like you led me here. This is, this is wilderness. Like I'm lonely. This is hard. But you led me here. Okay, you're going to speak tenderly to me. It says, there I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. And I was like, what? God, you brought me all the way here just because you love me that much? Like you wanted to tear down those things in my life that are actually just like I'm enslaved to so that I would come to know you, not just like as master and I'm like your worker, but like you want to be the lover of my soul? Whoa, right? So that entire season changed on a dime for me when I could see what he was doing in my life. And still to this day, I'm like, best summer of my life. Best summer of my life. I loved it. We need to put on the clothes of power that are offered to us. We can have peace beyond reasonability when we do this. In Philippians 4, of course, you know this. It says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As a culture, we really want peace. And we try to bring peace through our understanding. So hence we have um, lots of 
self-help books and podcasts and counselors. And I just want you to know that I think God uses all of those things, okay? So I'm not saying we don't need that, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to offer peace to us that is beyond reason, that is beyond understanding. And often it's actually just like our need for control that keeps us from from receiving that. I think we see this clearly in the lives of Paul and Silas, um, two believers of Jesus who are thrown into jail after delivering um, a slave girl from an evil spirit, and her owner was, like, not happy about that. Um, So they get thrown in jail, but instead of spiraling into despair, instead of kind of, like, raising their fists being like, what the heck, God? I'm, like, doing your work, and now I'm in jail. Like, what's going on? They are like, okay, we're just going to praise God. We're just going to pray. And as a result, creation responds, and the earth shakes, and their prison door opens. But not just their prison door. Every door in the prison opens. And the guard who was put in charge of, like, keeping them in, he ends up giving his life to Jesus, and salvation comes to entire home, to his entire household. I would say that's like a good day in the kingdom of God when we choose peace (laughs) over anxiety. Amen? We need to clothe ourselves with power. When we do this, we can have purity amidst depravity. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, So I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So the thing about sin is that we are actually powerless to it apart from Jesus. And now, because of Jesus, we can overcome sin. In Romans 6, verses 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I'm going to skip to verse 11. It says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When we are clothed with power, we have the power to overcome sin. As I was thinking about this um, this week, I couldn't help but think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? And how they started off being, they were naked. And that was okay because there was perfect safety in the garden. But of course, after the fall, and sin entered the world, they were no longer safe. And so God, because he's always wanting to take care of us and be good to us, he clothes them with fig leaves. And I can almost just, like, see this moment where, you know, he and Jesus are like, okay, great, like, this is awesome, but this probably is just going to be temporary because it's not sufficient. This is only going to protect their outer body, like their physical body, but it's not going to fix the problem of their inability to overcome sin. 
And so Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. So, you know, we already made the plan. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb. I'm going to, you know, be the one who gives the atonement for sins. Awesome. Then we can give them new clothes, right? And he's like, oh, but they're going to be so much better. And I love, you know, just thinking of the Holy Spirit being like, yeah, let's clothe them with power. And Jesus is like, ooh, power, yes. So, so then we will have clothes that don't just protect us from sin they are clothes that allow us to overcome sin. This is what they clothe us in. He's so good. The Holy Spirit is a good gift from our good Father. We need to put on our clothes. Can you say, so weird? I know, I get it, I get it. Put on our clothes. Put on our clothes. Yeah, we need to do this. We get to do this together. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of the definitions of clothes um, for this, you know, Greek word in duo that the Father gives us, it, it's meaning to sink into clothing. And I love this because I think when we start, like, using the word power, we can just get a little, like, yeah. Like, I don't know, like, you want to, like, whip something up, right? <laughs> but think about the word sink. When you throw a rock into water, it sinks. But the rock itself is not using any energy to sink. It just simply does. And in the same way, God is not asking us to whip up some kind of power or to, like, just be stronger or better, right, or have this, like, energy to overcome sin. In fact, I actually just think he's asking us to trust him and in so doing, we sink into the clothes, the powerful clothes of the Holy Spirit that he has prepared for us. And then we can let the Holy Spirit do the work of overcoming sin in our lives. When we are clothed with power, we can have purity amidst depravity. So if you're feeling powerless to sin today, I just want to encourage you to remind yourself the Spirit has emancipated you, that the work is actually done, and we just get to receive it. Finally, what often is, in my humble opinion, the most challenging area of our lives to, to do and live out of without the power of the Holy Spirit is to love one another, <laughs> to love our neighbor as ourself. I think this is why in the most concentrated teaching on the Holy Spirit, Paul stops and he talks about love being the more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians verse 13, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The opposite of our sinful nature is life in the spirit. And he leads us into a life of fruitfulness that is marked by love. I'd like to read this quote by Francis Chan. It's from a book called The Forgotten God because I think this is what Paul is like trying to get at. 
The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different. And the world cannot help but notice. I think that our world is aching for a love like this, right? This divine love that can only be produced supernaturally. Who is difficult to love in your life? Are you inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you with love for them? Are you allowing yourself to be clothed with power to have supernatural love for these people? You know, maybe that's like, as a mom with three boys, maybe that just looks like being patient, you know, with your child when it's their fifth meltdown of the day. In that moment, I have to remind myself, I'm clothed with power. I'm clothed with power for this moment, right? Maybe it's giving a listening ear and actually listening to someone's heart and not just the words they're saying. Maybe it's choosing not to engage in gossip when it would be, like, really easy to do that. Maybe it's opening yourself up to someone who's different than you. Or dare I even say it, maybe it's loving and praying for someone who you would consider your enemy. When we are clothed with Holy Spirit power, it produces love in us supernaturally. So living a life, being empowered by the Spirit, to be clothed with power, it's truly a life of wonder and one of adventure. Um, And I think we're hungry for that. I mean, I don't know if you are. I'm definitely hungry for that. I love adventure. Um, So, like, how do we do that, though? How do we receive these clothes and pray with authority and perceive with clarity and have peace within Um, you know, and produce love supernaturally. So, like, where is the disconnect sometimes that we have from knowing this intellectually to really living it out in our, in the reality of our lives? Because, after all, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So I just want to make a few suggestions for you how to kind of like embrace this. One, I think we should start each day just acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Just acknowledging the Holy Spirit, thanking the Father for the gift of the Holy Spirit, and like actually with your words saying, you know, like I I receive you, I receive this gift, and I just want to open it up today. And I receive the clothes of power, right? Just like even saying it, even making that connection or or, um, confession rather, I think is a powerful act of faith. And because we do receive it by faith, like we we don't actually get like literal clothes as in like we can touch it, but it's actually more real than the clothes you are wearing. So in order for us to receive it by faith, knowing that all we have to do is just sink into it, right? We just sink into those clothes. We don't have to do any, like, work. Nothing else is required from you. Um, I just, I kind of want to break down that phrase, like, by faith, or even just, like, believing that you have it, 
Like, how does this happen? What does it even mean to believe? I've thought about this so much <laughs> because um, I'm just, like, a very practical person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, like, how? Like, that just seems kind of, like, ethereal, by faith. Like, what do you mean? Um, so here is the best way that I think I can explain it. If someone has a better way, I'd love to hear about it. Um, but I think what it means to do something by faith or just to believe is to ask yourself the question, if this was true, how would I act? Or like what choice would I make? And then choose to do it. So for example, you know, if I'm in a conversation with someone and they're sharing about a hardship they're going through, maybe needing healing in their body, and I really believed that I was clothed with power from on high to release healing, I would probably offer to pray for them. <laughs> like if I actually believed that, that that was true. And so in that moment, even if I'm kind of like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I believe it enough, I'm going to choose to do that and make that choice and act as if it was true. And I think the Holy Spirit is honored by that, right? So, again, just ask yourself that question. I just would say, when you're in the midst of, like, different moments in your day, hey, would I be doing something different if I really thought I was clothed with power? If I believed I was clothed with power, then when I, when I feel like that, like, sin knocking at my door, I think I would behave differently, right? I wouldn't behave as a victim, like, oh, God, I just know I'm going to give in or whatever. I'd be like, wait, no, I'm clothed with freaking power to repel this. I can overcome this. These are the clothes that Jesus has given me. He has done the work. I'm just sinking in and receiving this, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense what I'm saying, right, to just act as if it was true? I think that's the most honoring thing that we can do in this particular way, to believe and receive that we have been clothed with power. So I hope that's helpful, so, right? So we're, we're praying for it. We're acknowledging it. We're taking that moment. It doesn't even have to be long, right? That doesn't have to be long. In the beginning of your day, how long does it take you to actually put your real clothes on? Probably like 10 seconds. Great. Take those 10 seconds. Even as you're putting it on, just be like, Holy Spirit, thank you that you clothed me with power today. Father, what a good gift. I, I love your gift. Even just like saying that I love the gift that you have given to me. Thomas Kelly says this um, in A Testament of Devotion. I want to share this with us as we, as we kind of wrap up here. I just want to invite our worship team just as a final thought, and then we're going to kind of move into a time of prayer and worship. So he says this. Deep within us all, there is an amazing inner sanctuary of the soul. A holy place, a divine center, a speaking voice to which we may continuously return. Eternity is at our hearts, pressing upon our time-torn lives, calling us home unto itself. And in brief intervals of overpowering visitation, we are able to carry the sanctuary frame of mind out into the world, into its turmoil and its fitfulness. In this center of creation, all things are ours, and we are Christ's, and Christ is God's. 
We are ready to run and not be weary. We are ready to walk and not grow faint. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.